Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So, last week, we, uh, Pastor RJ came up and he talked about the new covenant, what it means uh, to have a new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this week, we are continuing our series on all things new, and Pastor RJ is going to come on up, and he's going to talk about the new man today. So, just give him a welcome. No, why don't both of you guys stay today, this time? Now, I want to I show you guys something. When it comes to athleticism... If I'm on the pickleball court against these guys, who do you think is going to win? Not me. <laughs> so, Kieran destroyed us yesterday. Would you serve seven in a row, six in a row? Anyway. At least. At the tournament. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, no, no, don't go yet, Mitch. But you, you, you can go, but, but you know. Hey, hey, you did all right, man. You got knocked out first. Yeah, it's fine. Mitch also beat me. Pretty, pretty good. But, but um, he did a tournament this weekend to raise money for youth camp, okay? And my primary point is all the proceeds from the tournament will go towards youth camp. If you weren't able to play in the tournament but you want to send a kid to youth camp, feel free to donate to that under the other button and type youth camp or go to the welcome center and say, I want to give to the youth camp and then give lots of money to youth camp so more kids can go. Um, however, your result was a little different than mine. You made it past the quarterfinals. Uh, he made it. This is where it gets dicey, right? He made it to the semis. Feelings may get hurt. So we need to pray for Mitch because he lost to his younger brother. But he also not, lost not a good day. Never to a good his father-in-law. So Mitch did a great job organizing the tournament, but he also learned a lesson in humility. Choose the right teammates. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Derek's like, hey, what about me? No. Love you, Derek. <laughs> we like to have fun. So on that note, um, we uh, started some conversations not too long ago. Um, has anyone been on one of our encounters? Ah, oh, the sanctified people come to second service. I get it. First, I was like, does anyone know what an encounter is? Like... Um, anyway, we do a session called Deliverance, and we had brought a bunch of new guides on, and some of them were like, oh, we don't have a lot of experience with Deliverance. So pastorally, we were kind of like, let's train our teams, and then it kind of morphed into, um, well, we need to do some training. Anyway, how many know that you should do ongoing investment in your life? Yeah. You should constantly be investing in training and upgrading your skills and your knowledge and your wisdom, and you know, we base our life on the Word of God, but people can teach us the concepts of the Word of God that have been there and done things that we haven't. Some of you are going, wait, what? Anyway, on January 28th from 9 a.m. until 3.30 p.m.-ish, we're going to be doing a special workshop, and we're going to open up to the whole church. You're all invited to come. It'll be in the fellowship hall. Um, if you show up that day, you're going to get some specialized training, but I wanted uh, the man who's going to be imparting and sharing that day, uh, Reverend Dr. Chotka, to come up, and he's going to share with you for a few minutes about what he's going to be talking about that day. 
Okay, thank you, RJ. It's a delight to be here. God is good. All the time. Yeah, you got, you, you, you got to learn that. So this is how it works. God is good, and then you say all the time. Yes, and then I say all the time. You say God is good. Try that. God is good. All the time. So it's a delight to be here, and it, it, this whole thing morphed from service last week. So uh, Mary got up, and she started to prophesy about the necessity of hearing the voice. And as she did, it just tweaked in my spirit that there's nothing, absolutely nothing more important than hearing the voice of Jesus. And uh, in fact, Jesus did nothing unless the Father showed him, and he had to listen to the voice as God the Son. Well, if God the Son had to hear the voice, do you think you and I might maybe need to? Now, let me just say this to you. Um, There's going to be two sections. One is hearing the voice. That's going to be the morning session. In the afternoon, we're going to talk about Jesus' power over the powers. Because I got saved by having a demon cast out of me. And uh, we're going to, I'm just going to tell you the short form of that story. Then I'm going to talk about hearing the voice. And I'm going to have a little fun with that. But um, but, uh, when, when I was a young man, I wound up getting invited to some sort of a living room event where there was an English Methodist evangelist. And he was a delightful guy. So it was about five foot two. He sweat profusely, he had glasses, and he looked down over his nose, rubbed his hands together, and kept saying, Glory. Hallelujah. Have you got Jesus in your flesh? Glory. <laughs> so at any rate, I was in the pickle because I could not say the name of Jesus. I, I, it would stick in my throat. There was a whole series of things that happened. In fact, the, the moment I realized I was in trouble was when I was walking down a hallway and there was a young girl singing about how she'd been washed in the blood of the lamb. And irrational rage rose up inside of me and I wanted to hurt the girl. I stopped myself. I'm very glad I did, but I realized something was wrong. And I wound up in this meeting and that English evangelist looked at me and he said, you will sit down, you will say nothing, and you will not leave until we're done. And suddenly my body would not move. And I had this strange kind of tearing sense of wanting to hear what he had to say and wanting to run to beat the band. And I was in this place, and then he did an altar call, and he said, if, if, Glory, if, if, have you got Jesus in your flesh, sister? It's just a hallelujah or something, okay? That's it, okay. <laughs> so, so he said that to the room. I couldn't say it. And then he said, if you want Jesus in your flesh, come forward and I shall pray for you. And I leaped out of my chair. I was right in front of him. And he said, no, no, not now. When I finish my sermon, he said. And then I, I had to wait for him while he was doing the rest of his closing deal. And then he, there were 15 of us at the front. And he came to the first person. And he put his hand on her head. And I didn't know what was happening to me. But I saw in the spirit realm, just like Solitarsus saw Jesus before he was saved. I saw him shining, and I saw darkness inside of her. He prayed for her. She began to shine with the light of Jesus. She told him he loved him. And then he went all the way around the room until he came to me last of all. And I think he came to me last because I was first up. Anyway, I thought he was going to do exactly the same thing. And he pointed his finger in my belly, and he said, get out. I thought, get out? What's that about? So I looked up at him, and I looked down, and his hand was shining. And there was a cloudy, inky black mass around the center of my abdominal region. And he said, out of that young man, out you go in Jesus' name. And he got higher and higher. And I watched as far as I could this, this inky, cloudy black mass kept moving up with his advancing finger. And it got to my chin, and this, this black thing flew out of my mouth, went straight through the wall. And suddenly I was surrounded by a glorious, radiant light that was brighter than the sun. And then the light came inside me. And then I said the name of Jesus. I was not able to do that until that moment. 
And so that was my first breathing second as a Christ follower. My first second was to see the unclean spirit leave. The second second was to watch the glory come in. And from that point forward, I have been a student of dealing with Jesus' victory over the powers. And so I'm going to just say this. There's two books in the Bible that I'm going to accent while we're doing the seminar. For the Hearing the Voice one, it's John's Gospel. And for the Spiritual Warfare one, it's going to be the Book of Revelation. But both of those books are what's called chiastic books. And what that means is there's a big truth at the beginning, there's a big truth at the end, and there is an applicational truth smack dab in the middle. And so here's, a, I'm going to have some fun to, to get at that so you can see it, but, um, but uh, I'll do it with the book of Revelation. So there are seven churches of the book of Revelation, right? You got that? Seven churches. Okay, so you got, uh, when you look at the seven churches, there's a really bad church at the beginning, and there's a really bad church at the end. And the second one is a, is a really good church. And the second last one is a really good church. And you got three slimy churches. And so the order is like this. It is bad, bad, good, good, slimy, slimy. Wow. Just like that. So I want you to do that with me so you can understand the book of Revelation. <laughs> so here we go. It was, it was bad, bad, good, good, slimy, slimy, wow. Are you ready to say it fast? Bad, bad, good, bad, slimy, slimy, wow. And, and, and the wow is the promise to the overcomer in one of the slimiest churches. It's the church, it's the church of Thyatira where they have that woman Jezebel with the false prophecy. And she's doing all kinds of nasty, mean things so they don't discipline her. And Jesus says, I'm gonna have to do this one myself. But to the overcomer, even in a slimy, ugly, horrible, awful, nasty church, to the overcomer, they're going to get the morning star. And I'm, they're going to rule with me with a rod of iron over the nations. They're going to share my kingly rule. Say, wow. wow. So it was bad, bad, good, good, slimy, slimy. Wow. Now say, wow, by standing up. Bad, bad, good, good, slimy, slimy. Wow. They got to do better than that. <laughs> bad, bad, good, good, slimy, slimy. Wow. That's it. That's what happens. It's, it's the promise to the overcomer. And so what I discovered, so, so here's, the, here's the point. In the Gospel of John, you have a chiastic book. In the book of Revelation, you got a chiastic book. And the big truth is at the beginning, the big truth at the end, and you're going to have to clap your hands to do this. And I have to put my microphone down, but I can shout loud and all God's people said. Okay, here we go. Jesus is God. Got that? Jesus is resurrected. Now I want you to put your hands up. Put your hands up. Say, Jesus is God. Jesus is resurrected. And clap. The center is, my sheep hear my voice. That's the center of the book. That's the big truth in John's gospel. So we're going to talk about how to hear the voice. I'm going to give you the signals. And I want to go to the book of Revelation. So at the beginning of the book, you got good, good, bad, bad, slimy, slimy. Wow. You, got, you got churches that are mixed. At the end of the book, you got a glorified church shining with the glory of God, with Jesus being the sun in the middle of the city, and you're the city. We're light bulbs with Jesus in the middle. That's the picture. And in the middle of the book, you have the practical application. So here's what we're going to say. Mixed church, beautiful church, and we're going to clap our hands. I'm going to tell you the truth. Here we go. So, mixed church, glorious church. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and by loving not their lives unto the death. And woe unto the earth, because the devil has been cast down. So we're going to have to learn how to hear the voice of Jesus so that we can deal with the dark powers and discover Jesus' victory over the dark powers. So I'll see you on the 28th of January. And thank you, RJ, and thank you, Mary, for inviting me to do this.
Thank you, sir. He'll also be here on the 29th. Can you put that slide? That slide's up. What's the bottom line of the side sleigh? Okay, just making sure you're aware of that so we don't catch you by, by surprise. Yeah, thank you, sir. He was here at first service, too. <laughs> okay. Give a preacher a microphone. Now, when we were together last, we were talking about um, the covenant, the, the new covenant. And, and now we're kind of in, a, in this, I kind of left it here and we're transitioning over here to the new man. And there's actually a, a passage that I want to work through for most of the service today. But we left off with this contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant, which is a better covenant. But it kind of gets to, ends with, the new man who reflects the glory of God as image bearers, okay? And that's, that's you and I, the new man, who reflect the glory of God. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if we start in verse 6, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. That's, that's the opening of this passage here that I'm talking about with you. You've been enabled to be a minister of the new covenant. And then he explains a whole bunch of things before we get to the end about the image bearers. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. The old way with laws etched in stone. You remember the Ten Commandments? God came down with his very finger. He wrote in the Ten Commandments and gave it to, to, to Moses. It led to death. What do you mean death? I'll get there. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God even though the brightness was already fading away. Now, what you don't know, and what's really funny is, even Pastor Dave, he had no idea that I'm going to be talking about this, and he was giving an illustration specifically about, I saw light. I saw radiant light, right? And, and what happens is Moses spent so much time with God, 40 days with Jesus, 40 days with God on the mountaintop. When he came down, the manifest glory of God was so present in his face, people couldn't even look at him. So the... People said, Moses, can you put a veil over your face? Because we don't want to look at you. We can't look at you. Now, how many of you have spent so much time with Jesus that the people around you asked you to put a veil over your face? No one? So I think we all could spend some more time with Jesus. We can all spend some more time with Jesus. And this was even Old Covenant. Now watch. Shouldn't we expect for greater glory under the new way now where the Holy Spirit's given life? In the old way, which brings condemnation, it was glorious. How much more glorious is the new way which made us right with God? So the new covenant actually gives us a way of escape from the condemnation where the old covenant just lets you know that you were a sinner. Now, in fact, the first glory was not at all glorious compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. If so, the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious. How much more glorious is the new which remains forever? So he's just talking about... The old covenant was, it was great, but the new covenant is even better. It's even more glorious. It's even more, more, and it's eternal. It's forever. Now, since this gives new way, since this new way gives us confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. See, now he's put his glory within us and everywhere we go, we let our light shine. Everywhere we go, we take the love of God and we share it with us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't hide our light underneath. We let our light shine forth because the world needs to see the light of Jesus. 
But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant's being read, the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yet even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. So when we look at this, like the Ten Commandments, the law of God, every one of you actually um, has a, sorry, my thoughts are jumbled already now for a second. How many of you were born in condemnation? How many don't know what I'm talking about? How many think you were born alive before God? A lot of you don't know. Okay. When you come onto planet Earth as an infant, baby, you're born in innocence. You're born alive before God. Everyone tracking with me here? You're born alive. Everyone say alive. So when you come into the planet, you're born alive. You may have been conceived in sin, but you're born alive. As you mature, you eventually reach an understanding of the difference between right and wrong. When you sin, sin enters in, you die, you need Jesus as your savior. We doing okay? Okay. When you are under sin, your mind becomes veiled to the truth of God's word. And every one of you was there. Your mind was veiled to truth. You couldn't see the truth. Think about this. How many conversations have you had with people with veiled minds that don't know Christ about the truth of God's word and how much understanding of God's word did they have? How did those conversations go? I don't need to know. Okay. But the Holy Spirit has such a way that as people just like you and I share love and faith with others, and we share the truth with others. He has a way of lifting that veil up so some light can shine through so that people can see their great need for the Savior. They see their sinfulness. They see the love that the Savior has through repentance and faith. They can find a way that they too can become Christ followers. And that's what happened to all of you when you became a Christ follower, isn't it? You were blinded to truth by the God of this world. And one day the veil was lifted and you saw the reality of your situation as a sinner, and God made a way for you to come into the kingdom. Are we doing okay? Is, is everyone tracking with me? Okay. This veil can only, okay, so let's back up. But the people's minds were hardened to this day, whenever the old covenant's being read, that same veil covers their minds so they can't understand truth. The veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with that veil and they don't understand but when, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So it's at the new birth that the veil gets lifted or removed. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Okay, one of the most misquoted verses. Because in the context of that, it's talking about when Christ comes in, we get free from the law, right? And we come into grace, we get safe. And then we start walking in freedom, not in condemnation anymore. So all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. The Lord whose spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. See, I told you, it starts with the old covenant contrasting with the new and it leads to us being image bearers. One passage. 
But see, we in the new man, the new covenant that we live in and taking on the new nature that God has given us, we are people who carry the character and nature of Christ. We put on his character, we put on his nature. And then as a result of that, we start reflecting his image. Now, the letter of the law always brings death. So the old covenant, it always produced death. It didn't produce eternal life and it didn't produce right living. I was talking about that last week, if you saw the message. Um, when I was talking about how it's the external law, it doesn't change your heart. It's the spirit of God that changes your heart. And, and people have a hard time applying external things to their life. And it condemns you by judging you guilty of sin. So the, the Ten Commandments makes you feel guilty of sin. It condemns you. We were all sinners under the Old Testament law. There was no heart change. There was no ability to do right. There was no ability to, to transform. Now, I want you to understand, the gospel or the good news about Jesus, the natural byproduct, the natural effect, the natural end result of the gospel or the good news when it's applied to your life is moral renewal or right living. Can everyone say right living? So moral renewal or right living is when humans start reflecting the image of God more perfectly. We transform into the image of God through continuous exposure to scriptural truth. And I'm gonna add revelation of the spirit to that. You learn the truth and the spirit reveals and manifests it in your life when you're willing and obedient. So as you spend time reading the scriptures and listening to the spirit, he exposes the darkness within us and we start applying the truth of God's word and we start living on a higher plane. We start living more righteously. You doing okay? I feel like I'm moving really fast, but you guys are doing great. Finney, Charles Finney. Um, I have a quote by him. I gotta look it up here. Here we go. Charles Finney. It is a spiritual mind or disposition to please God instead of self. It is a right against the carnal selfish state. The mind is fully committed to pleasing God so that this becomes the chief end for which the individual lives and acts. Did you catch that? In the new man, your mind is in agreement with your spirit and you want to live and act according to how God commands. And you're committed to pleasing him. Now, how many of you are committed to pleasing God? The rest of you... The new man is thoroughly committed to do the will of God just as the old man is to do the bidding of his carnal impulses. The former, the new man, lives for God. The latter lives for himself. So you have to choose. You're either gonna live for God or you're gonna live for yourself. I'm not gonna clap because there's no middle. <laughs> not a, do you say a chiastic book? It's not, it's not a book with revelation, revelation. It's, it's, it's a fact you live for God or you live for yourself? And oh, by the way, if you're not living for God over here and living for self, you're living for Satan by extension. Right. You can fool yourself. We put on the new man by applying truth from the word of God, okay? And this is gonna produce this moral alignment or this moral harmony within your life Holiness is produced in your life as you put on the new man. Now, knowledge, knowing what to do. How many have knowledge? How many know what to do? Wisdom is the skill requisite to apply the knowledge to your life. Big difference. Okay, Because not knowing what to do, it's actually having the skill to apply it to your life. How many of you set a goal this year to work out more? 
Woohoo. How many know knowledge will tell you that it's healthier to have a more active lifestyle? Some of you sat down with your doctors and they've told you you need to be more active, you need more physical activity. I talk to people all the time. I'm like, what you doing? I have to exercise this many days a week because the doctor told me I need to if I want to stay alive. Okay. But wisdom will teach us that it's not a good idea to add exercise to your life by running 20 kilometers a day when you have previously not run at all. Because day one will go great, but day two, I don't know if you'll be able to move. Start with a brisk walk and then work your way up from there. See, you start small and you work your way up. You know, um, I saw a meme the other day, and these things are always deadly and get me in trouble, but that's okay. It was me, and it said, sobbing my heart out, eyes swollen, nose red, tissue everywhere. Here's the statement. I can't see you anymore. I'm not going to let you hurt me like this again. And the trainer says, it was a sit-up. You did one (laughs) sit-up. Aren't we, life that, aren't we like that in life sometimes when the people are calling us up to a higher plane? <laughs> oh, it's killing me. I'm done. No, you're not. You're going you're gonna to be fine. Some of you set a noble goal, and we need to read the Bible and pray daily. We should be. We're Christians. We should be reading the Bible. We should be praying. But if you've never done this before, and you're setting a goal to read the Bible every day, maybe don't start with a two-hour goal. Okay, maybe start with 15 minutes and then work your way up as your relationship with Christ develops, okay? Or, or how about fasting? Oh, by the way, um, this year's fast is gonna be, I wrote the dates down, February 26th to April 6th is the days that we're gonna call a corporate fast. But for all of you that are like, <gasps> we fast at this church too. Yes, we do. Um, but I'm gonna teach on it probably around the 26th, the day we launch it. But I'm going to highlight something. People who are new at this think, oh, yeah, that's okay. On the 25th, I'll have a steak dinner and I'll go off food for a long time. And then when I'm done on the 7th of April, I'll have a large pizza. And I'll come pray for you in the hospital because you will likely end up there because that's not how you fast. So we want to give people not just knowledge, but also wisdom and application on how to do these things. So, So I guess what I'm trying to say is, we, as we apply the word of God to our life, holiness gets produced, okay? We put on the new man. Now, Colossians 3, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, there's a couple things here. Number one, in, in first service, this kind of flowed a little bit better because Kieran didn't know that I was already thinking about talking about declarations when I was listening to that song where they were making declarations and he came up and shared it and I told him, you were right on with that. Make sure you do that again for sure because see, when he was talking about the declarations, when it's saying fear is not my story, let hope arise let faith arise. When you make those declarations, that's 100% alignment with what the word of God says and teaches. And we as Christ's followers have to come to the place where we start declaring the word of God over our life. Because often what we declare is what we end up with. There's contradictions, but often. The other huge problem that I see when I'm looking at this and it's not 
the problem with the verse, it's the problem with us as people. A lot of Christians in North America today, globally, but North America specific, um, they have a really hard time taking the old man off of life support. So people come into the church, they want to get their sins forgiven, they want to get their conscience cleansed, they want to get rid of all their past life and shame and all the stuff, and they go into the waters of baptism and they lay the old man down. But then over the years, they've developed a few what we'll call defense mechanisms to survive, and some behaviors and some attitudes and some actions and some ways of acting and influencing people to get what they want, and they leave the old man plugged in on life support. And then what happens is, it's kind of like, and, and hopefully none of you have ever done this or do this, it's like the guy that's dating this girl, but he kind of has a side girl over here in case this one doesn't work out. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? People that do that, don't do that. If you're gonna get in a covenant relationship, you get in a covenant relationship to the exclusion of all others. Women do it too, I'm not. But see, you need to let the old man die. You can't be in Christianity serving Jesus in the new nature and living in the old man. It doesn't work well to have both of them alive at the same time. I think the book of Revelation calls you lukewarm. Okay. I'm gonna jump to Romans 8 in verse one. So there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. This is awesome, no condemnation. Why? Remember the law condemns you. It tells you that you're a sinner. But in Christ, the condemnation goes because Christ paid the debt of your sin. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Hey, the 10 commandments are great if you could keep them. But the sinful, the old man couldn't keep the 10 commandments. That's why God had to give us a new nature. He put his own spirit within us so that we can keep the 10 commandments. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like our bodies we sinners have. And that body declared an end. There was a declaration made, an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. On the cross, basically, Jesus made a declaration that those that are gonna follow me no longer belong to you, Satan, right? That sin can be forgiven, that sickness has to go. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving a son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did that so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful natures, but instead follow the spirit. I want you to catch this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. What a good litmus test. What do you think about? Sinful things? Holy things. Which one do you think about more? That's what dominates you. If the old man is more powerful, you're thinking about sinful things. If the new man is more powerful, you're thinking about righteous things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Remember, we go back to, do you want to live your life in actions to please God? Because that's what we do in the new man. We live according to what the Spirit tells us to do, and we want to obey him and please him. I keep losing my place in the verse. <laughs> you are, okay, but if you're not controlled by your, oh, sorry, back up. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under its control of their sinful nature can never please God. The old man will never please God, period. You can try. Religion tries to please God. 
Religion is essentially man reaching out to God saying, we can please you if we obey all the rules. Okay. There's many religious systems all over the world that work on that premise that if I do A, B, and C, God will be pleased with me and I will be accepted. Or if I sin less than the guy next to me, maybe God will like me and take me in. Religion. Okay. The sinful nature will never be able to please God. But we, you... Christ followers, are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. At salvation, he puts the Spirit in you. Remember, those that don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. There we are again. You're either with Christ or you're not. If you don't have a Spirit living in you, you're not a Christian. Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as, Christ raised, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. We get eternal life. It's a good deal. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, that's you and me, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. See, in the new man, you don't have to do sin. You choose to do sin. Everyone catch that? You don't have to, you choose to. Okay? If you live by its dictates, you're going to die. So you want to sin, it's going to create some death. If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. There's the declarations again, right? I'm not a fearful slave. I've received God's Spirit. He has adopted me. I am a son of God. I am a daughter. You have to start declaring these things over your life. Now we call him Abba Father. The Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we're God's spirit, uh, children. God's spirit and our spirit become one. We are co-heirs with Christ, okay? In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. However, keep in mind, if you're gonna share in his glory, you're also gonna share in his suffering, keep preaching. I want to hear more about suffering. Not today. <laughs> Romans 13, 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. The new man comes down to this. You can put on the new man or you can put on the old man. What do you want to clothe yourself with? What are you going to think about? Are you going to control your thoughts or are you going to let your thoughts control you? Are you going to submit your mind to Christ and the new man? Or are you going to let yourself submit to the flesh and the old man? You choose old man, new man. It's a choice you make. You have to make that decision every day, sometimes multiple times a day. You have to make that decision. What am I going to wear? What am I going to put on? I'll kind of close down with this. You know, some of you um, in the context of, uh, you know, working out and stuff at the beginning of the year, some of you probably have some clothes in your closet that you used to be able to wear, but you can't wear anymore, but one day you hope to be able to wear them again. <laughs> your laughter tells me that I'm onto something. <laughs> now, here's the thing, okay? I'm gonna use a natural illustration to show you. It doesn't work good in the natural. It works even worse in the spiritual. <laughs> but Jesus is always good to us. You know, my wife and I go on this, um, I, I've just learned at this season in life for my age and, and place, I do better when I have less carbs. 
my body does much better. Um, you don't need to know, but I get all bloated. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I feel better. Okay, it just happens that way. Okay. <laughs> TMI, PR. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Big transparent moment. But watch. So what happens is you go on like a low carb, and you're kind of off carbs for a bit, and you're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty good. And then you take your daughter to a volleyball tournament and her friend comes with you and you drive out of town. And when you get back, the mother of the daughter is very grateful that you took her daughter out there. So she gives you a hot loaf of freshly baked bread. I mean, it's still warm when she hands it to you. So what do you do? You go home and have some bread with butter. (laughs) Now here's the problem, okay? Then I go back to not feeling so great and doing so good, but man, was it good. <laughs> now, it's not sinful for me to eat bread. <laughs> I didn't eat the whole loaf. But see, but see, <laughs> my, my, my point in this is when we put on the new man, you know what? You go through life, you fall down, you get up. You fall down, you get up. But um, in your journey, it's painful when you fall down, you know, and we get back up. But we do have a mediator who is there for us who will always lead us back to truth and lead us back to truth. And, and I'm not saying the struggle's not real. I'm saying that it's a choice. I had a choice. I could have made a choice. Even last night, I could have made a choice. I didn't have to eat the bread. I could live without it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that was... <laughs> I want to live my best life now, right? No, I'm just, I hear my kids say that. I'm like, no, you don't want to do that. There's a, there's a cost on the other side of that. Um, but, but see, I was actually going somewhere with this. I just confused myself again. I've been doing this a lot lately. You know what it is? No, you know what it is? There's such a strong presence of God when we're up here ministering right now that my brain wants to go 30 different directions because there's so much information that I want to share with you. And I'm trying while I'm up here to listen, okay, God, what, what do you want me to say specifically for this group for today, for right now? Because 29 of those streams you don't need to hear right now, but one of them you absolutely do, and I want to make sure I hit that one. So sometimes my brain is having this back and forth, forth and back and forth. Anyhow, Jesus, stand up with me. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is calling all of us to live a holy life, okay? He's calling all of us to put on the new man. He's calling all of us to hear his voice. He's calling all of us to obey and live a righteous life. He's given you the power to choose. You can really choose life or you can choose death. You can choose blessing or you can choose... We have that choice within us. But he's given us a little bit of a... I don't want to call it a trump card, but he's put his spirit within us, so he's given us the ability to resist sin. Now, a lot of times what we do is environmentally, we put ourselves in the wrong environment. We surround our minds with the wrong information. We take the wrong data in. It's just like if I take the wrong food in my body, I don't have the same result that I want if I put the right food in. In your mind, you put the wrong information in and you get the wrong result. Okay, so we have to control 
and we have the ability to do that, as much as lies within us, what we watch and what we listen to and what we partake of. It was about money is what I was gonna talk about because Mitch was talking about trusting God. I sat down with dozens of people to do budgets over the years. And I probably got more people upset with me for this one comment at the first service than I did everything else I said, (laughs) which is funny. But I said, you don't need cable. You need food. And, and almost everyone I sit down to do a budget, I say, make a list of their needs, and they have cable and internet and cell phone and blah, 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 and they add all these things. You don't need all those things. What we need is food, clothing, and shelter. We need water. And, and my point in that is this. There's things you need to survive in life. There's things you want, and then there's the dream. And there's nothing wrong with the dream. And don't criticize the people that have the dream. Just remember, when you have the dream, remember you didn't have the dream at one point. You want to make sure you're a blessing to those that don't have the dream. Okay. I heard, it was Phil Driscoll I heard say it, I think, years ago. He said, God could have, he was a a singer, he could have sent the fourth, the fifth, the sixth best in heaven and accomplished the same thing. But instead, he chose to send the best because he loved you so much. So he sent his best, Jesus, to come to earth to die for you in your place and take your place. But in return, God demands your best. He asks for your best. He wants you to put your best foot forward. And today as we come to the table, as we're gonna partake of communion, I want you to do a little bit of self-examination and say, God, am I in, am I out? Yes, that's good, am I, I'm in, I'm a Christian, I love you. But are you putting on the new man every day? Are you taking on the nature and the character of Christ and choosing to be an obedient son or an obedient daughter? Or are you just kind of flirting with the old life? And some of you need to make a clean break from the old. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but you need to make a clean break from the old. So Jesus, as we come to the table today to partake of our covenant meal, I thank you that you made a way for us to be able to take on this new nature so we can be image bearers. We can be your sons and daughters and we can reflect you to the people around us here on planet Earth. Those that are not in relationship with you, Lord, that need to be redeemed and brought back to you. Help us to go to those that need, whether rich or poor, whether close or far, whether sick or well. Lord, wherever people are that need you, let us be sensitive to that fact and help us in the new nature to choose the love response. Help us to disconnect from the old patterns the old ways of thinking and let us make some declarations of truth over our life about who you've made us to be and how much you love us. So we partake now expecting healing and release from hell's grip in Jesus' name.
And Father, as we have the cup in our hands, the blood of the new covenant, may it never lose its power. The blood of Jesus sets us free from sin. And Lord, we're so grateful for the sacrifice of Christ. We're so grateful for the standard of righteousness that you've set. Lord, though we may never attain in this life, I thank you that we can take some steps in that direction. Help your people to live a righteous life. Help our light to shine bright. Help your love to go forth and the name of Jesus will be glorified and exalted. We forgive others. We release others as we come to the table. We receive forgiveness. And I thank you, Father, that you restore all things to wholeness and newness. In Jesus' name. Sharon will come now. When she's finished, the altars will be open if you need prayer. God bless you. Wow, time to grow up. Thank you, Pastor RJ, our bodybuilder. He, he studies, he seeks God's face to input into us because we have to daily make a choice. Choose who you will serve before you ever get out of bed in the morning. You should acknowledge, hi God, thanks for today. Today, I choose to forgive. It's a choice. Everything in life is a choice. We have to choose to forgive and shine for Jesus. That song that Dionne Warwick did, what the world needs now is love. That's just, there's too little love. And we have what they need. That's our job. Bottom line is use the wisdom of God to build up, as our body builder has instructed us, by getting in the word because the word feeds you the word is life the joy of the Lord is our strength so as you work out in the gym you say scriptures so you're doing both you're working out your earthly suit and your spirit man to build holy muscles that you're able to stand in the day because bottom line is Jesus the author and finisher of our faith we have to show up Thank you, Pastor RJ. That was a good word. And Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go.